Before we start the show this week, I just wanted to ask you to please get vaccinated. 95% of physicians in the U.S. are vaccinated. 100% of living U.S. presidents are vaccinated. Nearly 100% of all U.S. senators are vaccinated. 100% of Republican governors and 100% of Democratic governors are all vaccinated. The CEO of Pfizer is fully vaccinated. On the flip side of that, over 95% of people who have been admitted to a hospital for COVID symptoms and people who have died from COVID in the past month weren't vaccinated. And this new variant is killing young and healthy people at an alarming rate. By not getting vaccinated, you are allowing this virus to mutate, making it harder and harder to treat and prevent. Now, I know that if you haven't gotten the vaccine by now, I'm probably not going to change your mind. But it has recently come to my attention that a few people that I trusted to do their own research and make positive decisions to protect the people around them aren't vaccinated. The vaccine wasn't rushed. It isn't making women infertile. It isn't killing anyone. If you've chosen to not get vaccinated, please, 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 please reconsider. If you just haven't pulled the trigger yet because you're unsure, please reach out to us via email, Twitter, Instagram, or however you like. And I would be so, so, so happy to provide you with some credible information from reliable sources to help you make your decision. Seriously, it would absolutely make my day. Am I biased? Yes. But I made my decision with the help of credible information, and I'd like to help you do the same. I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated if I felt like there was any chance it would hurt me or my family in any way. Thanks for listening. Now on with the show. Oh, man. How are you? A good, full of Olive Garden. Oh, well, beautiful. The taste of Italy. And it, you know what? It really felt like, I don't know if this joke is outdated, but it really felt like the uh, Fast and Furious crew was there. Because when we were there, we were family. That joke can't be outdated because there is no date that that joke would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I have no notes. Great. This is going to be real weird for me. Great. Because we just, you know, we just watched Shang-Chi. Yes. And like, I literally just came home. I watched a couple videos on analysis of it just to see if there was anything I missed. Right. And then I came right down here to try and get Excellent. the, finish out the like, uh, the graphics for the patrons. Yes. For those of you who don't know, if you're a patron, there's a tier where you can see all sorts of cool graphics when we talk. It's very cool. You should do it if you're not doing it. You're missing out on a whole other aspect of the show. It's a whole other, whole other deal. Like you could see Andrew just adjust this microphone. <laughs> it was, I mean, that was poetry in motion right there. Last week's episode was extra special if you could watch it. Oh, it had so many funny moments. It really did. It really, and you got double the outfits because it was over the course of two days. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. In fact, if you notice, I got a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> There's two different lengths in that episode. Nice little Easter egg. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Wow. Oh, I know you didn't notice. You never notice. You notice anything different with me? You're more handsome. Yeah, that's right. The beard is like a quarter the length. I was noticing. I was like, there's something about him. Don't try him. to fix it. Don't try to dig yourself out of the hole. No, I really I really was. I was like, there's something going on. But also, your be the color of your beard matches the color of the wall behind you and your shirt right now. A little bit. So it's just all like a shades of gray and black and then your very Caucasian face in front of I'm you. I'm really doing the, uh, the Ben Kingsley... Mandarin. Yeah. Look, it is very like nice. It's very trim. It's very thank you, you. Know, tight, tightly put together. What what inspired this? Uh, the play I'm doing. So whenever I get in a show, it used to be when I was in college, mm -hmm. every time I got in, I would end one show after I started the next one. So like right. I'd be three quarters of the way into a show audition for a show, get a role. 
And then I would finish the last one as I was picking up the next one. Right, right. And every time I got on a show, they'd be like, hey, I love your hair and your beard. Keep it growing. And so, like, I'd get to right. the end of so that just show, spirals. get in the next yeah. one. And so by by my senior year, my hair was about as long as it is now. It was, like, down to my right. shoulders. Right. And um, it's just sort of that thing that, like, when you're in a show, you need to, or a movie or whatever, you need to talk to your director. Right, before, before you do uh, anything. Before you change anything. Yeah. So I just had my first rehearsal for my next show. I had sort of been growing it out for that unrehearsed thing. Yeah. That, like, I, I'm supposed to play a slave, so I thought it'd be funnier if I was, like, sort of homeless looking. Yes, there's nothing funnier than a slave who looks completely uncuffed. It's hilarious. Yeah, there's, well, yeah, there's nothing funnier than homelessness. Yep. Anyway, now I'm playing Lord Capulet of Romeo and Juliet, who, if anyone knows, is like a... It's like a well-to-do sort of politician in the in Verona. Mm. So I was like, if I'm going to first of all, I'm not going to be clean shaven because it's not pretty. I've seen it. It's not. It's no good. So we're going to have a beard. So just what kind of beard are we going to do? And I was like, I might try to go for more of a like uh, musketeer sort of thing with like the long, long pointy mustache. Perhaps a Van Dyke of some kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a pointy beard. So that's sort of what I'm rocking. It's not quite where I want it, but it's, uh, I'll keep, I'll keep, you know, it's a work in progress. It'll get there. How are you? I'm exhausted. Yeah. I might in the middle of this take a nap. I'm on my second tee. (laughs) God, that is such a fucking. (laughs) It's cold. I'm on my second tee. My God. What a, what a pansy ass phrase. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Apparently, uh, I, I was working all day, and then apparently our oldest one is a demon. So that's fun. Aren't they all? Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this is, this, this is going to be interesting, because you just saw Shang-Chi, and I saw it a couple days ago. I've had time to think about it and take notes, and you didn't. So we've, we're doing a real Freaky <sighs> Friday thing going on here. Oh, man. Real weird. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting episode, a very special episode of the Media Lunch Break. Very special. Very, very special. Yeah. And in honor of Shang-Chi. Yes. Minimal racism. I can't guarantee that. Ooh. I can Ooh. never. I can't. I come don't like on, to. Come I don't on. Like to, nah, I don't come like to put on. myself into a corner. All right. I like to have my options open. I need to keep my my racist options completely wide open. And then as the episode goes, narrow them down to see how we feel. Can we at least cut it down to three fifths? Yeah, that we can do. Welcome to the Media Lunch Break, bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news, all in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and easily offend probably every one of our listeners in the opening. My name is Chris Trebel. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew. Girls, just want to have done. <laughs> Say hello, Andrew. Well, I felt I like... I thought of that... Just like an hour ago, by the way. I just want you to know that. Oh, great. That just came to me like an hour ago, and I was so happy with it. Yeah, good. It's very mediocre. So I thought that in honor of us trading places, because you have your notes and I don't, I -hmm. had to be the racist one. Oh, okay. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've been trading a lot, because we We traded horrible natural disasters before. Mm Mm-hmm. And now we're trading um, prejudice. Yeah, and pretty soon we'll trade STIs. Again? <laughs> yes, that's right. I believe at this point the phrase is trade back. Ah. So, Andrew, 
Marvel did a very interesting kind of experiment. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't not bring that up. And they released a movie with... Uh, all Asian people. And guess what? It turns out people like that sort of thing. <laughs> Who would have fucking thought? Yeah. Didn't have all Asians. No, it didn't. It didn't. There were a couple token white people. That's right. Just to make sure that we're in there. Can't leave us out. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about Shang-Chi today. This is doing gangbuster dollar bills. Like, really, it's almost non-pandemic money this this movie is doing. Uh, well it's over non-pandemic money it it broke the record set before the pandemic for labor day right 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 it's it's crazy what this this is doing so we're going to talk about it right now i've seen it you've just seen it shang chi so well let's get into this so obviously spoilers heavy spoilers 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 for shang chi just to recap shang chi's Living in San Francisco, just living his best life as a valet. But his dad is the Mandarin. And then dad comes calling and he's like, hey, come back here. You need to take over for me at some point. It's time for you to take your rightful place. And Shang-Chi's like, mm, no, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. And uh, I'm pretty much goes from there. To be fair, his dad isn't the Mandarin because the Mandarin. Well, sorry. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's, he's not actually the Mandarin, but. He is. For all intents and purposes. But yeah, he he's not, but he is. All right, what, let's get into this. So what did you think of this? Did you like this movie? I fucking loved this movie. Okay. I think it might be in my top five Marvel movies. Really? Yes. Wow. I love this film. Really? Yeah. I, t- I said that to Melinda like as soon as we left, and I was like, it, if we have a difference of opinion on that sort of thing, it may be in part because I was raised watching old Chinese martial arts films. Okay. And I, I'd forgotten. Right. Like, that's never been a part of who I am, but I remember my sister would, like, go down to Chinatown and get the bootleg DVDs and, like, mail them to us, and I would just, like, pop them in one by one. Right. And we had a bunch of VHS tapes that my sister had, like, she had the two VHS tapes and she would put the the one she had onto a new one. Right. So because she didn't have any money when she was living in, in the West Village in 1997 or whatever. Right. And she would mail us VHS tapes of, like, Drunken Master, Drunken Master 2. Oh, um, Rumble in the Bronx, Mr. Nice Guy. Who Am I was another one. A bunch of like lesser known and even older ones. The Young Master was one that was entirely in Chinese that had subtitles that she sent me. Hard Boiled? Was Hard Boiled in there? No, I don't know that one. No? John? John. Oh, oh, oh. And uh, Chow Yun-Fat. Is yes. in it. Yeah, he's yeah, like the yeah. lead. I do. It wasn't in that, but I did watch okay. it years later. Okay. But I even on my birthday when I was maybe thirteen or fourteen watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in theaters. Oh wow! And I was a martial artist for ten years. You know, I, I took martial arts classes. Right. And it was a huge part of my life. And I had like completely forgotten. And watching this film, I was just like, "That's inspired by old uh, Ch- uh, Jackie Chan films. This is Wing Chun that he's using, and she's using uh, a Tai Chi style mixed with Wushu, and it, it just like flooded." all that back to me and not to mention the fight scenes are so visceral and and great the acting is so touching and real i barely had any problems there's like a little bit of uh, cgi stuff that maybe doesn't work for me but very very minimal and then there's some stuff like there's the the trope of that you see in films all the time where like the hero is a guy who's kind of incompetent and, and sort of just falls into his dynasty and destiny. And then there's a woman by his side who is probably better at what they're doing than he is, but she's still pushed to the side so that he can fulfill the prophecy or whatever. You see it in things like Scott Pilgrim, 
even Star Wars. Uh, it happens all the time in Star Wars, and um, and this is this has that same trope. But other than that, I really really liked it. Yeah, I. For, there's I I like this for some reason I could not get over the hump of loving this racist yeah that's pretty much it good night everybody <laughs> no and I was trying to figure out why and honest to God I don't have a good answer for you I'm not exactly sure what it is it's fantastic I'm not believe me I'm not knocking it in any way shape or form this is a fantastic movie I don't know why. This didn't quite get over the hump of really it just didn't push it over the edge. Yeah, I don't know why. And maybe it's the uh, and I've said this before where I'm like, I'm done with origin movies. I'm mm. really done with them. Well, it's interesting, too, because I didn't feel like this was a Shang-Chi movie. I felt like this was a movie about his dad. It was a movie about. Uh, well, what this did really well is, first of all, it toyed with the three act structure of an origin movie. So it didn't just show us the exposition in act one and then act two and then act three. It peppered it throughout, which did help it. Part of me was going, we've seen so much of the MCU right now that maybe I'm just like... You fatigued? No, not even fatigued, but whenever there's a story that is insular to itself and not part of the the larger storyline, I'm like, let's just get to the part about all the other shit, too. Like, I just want to... Because I know what what's going to happen in this. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, especially with the MCU... Whenever they tell like an origin story movie, I'm like, great, we're going to discover the hero. The hero's going to win some big battle. And then they're going to, at the very end, the post credit scene is going to be like, and this is how he plugs into the rest of the universe. Well, very interesting because there were two things I was expecting they were going to surprise us with, and they didn't. One is the actual origin of the rings. Right. I thought we were going to get like a big surprise of like, oh, this is where they're from. And also, we never learned who he was going to kill or who he killed. Right. Oh, when he was 14. Yeah. He was going to kill the guy that killed his mother. Right. But we don't know who that is or like we didn't see it happen. Well, no. Like and we don't even know that that's necessary. Like we don't have a name and we don't necessarily know that that's actually what it is. Like his dad could have just been like, oh, yeah, this guy killed killed your mom. Wink. You know, go kill him. Yeah. yeah. Or that guy is the guy that he's talking about is not the guy that we saw on screen. That guy was a lower man right. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, just to get into the deep end then, since you brought that up, I did have a thought, and I thought this was going to be true, and then it never ended up happening. But now that you mentioned this, you're right. We never actually saw him do this. The guy that I thought he was going to end up killing that killed his mother was going to be Katie's grandfather. Because he's the one figure that is talked about that is not there. At the beginning... They're all gathered around the table. Yeah, I mean, he's dead. grandfather's dead. <laughs> right. But yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, they, he is all, there's all this cast of characters and there's one empty seat. It's, that would have been too weird for me. It would have been too weird in this movie. But now that you mentioned the fact that you're right, we never saw him actually kill anyone. See, I was expecting it to be Tony Stark or, right. or that he was going to kill someone and. He didn't end up getting to it or something like that. You know, especially when he first said he didn't he couldn't go through with it. I was like, is this Bruce Banner? Like, who is this person? The other thing is, I was actually expecting that they were going to lose the battle at the end because those things look a lot like the I think they're called the deviants in the Eternals. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought that they were going because you have that theory that all these take place like at basically the same time. Right. I thought that they were going to release the deviants, which is what was going to make the Eternals come up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, listen, we they do have 
again, we're getting right into it. So we're getting, we're just going to be all over the place. And that post credit scene, which by the way, is a gem of a post credit scene. I think the post credit scene with Wong might be one of my favorite post credit scenes because it hits all the points of a good post credit scene that, that Marvel has done in one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, mysterious it sets up again it sets up these characters for how they fit into the larger universe you get some good cameos in it it sets up a MacGuffin that will lead to some to a future story exactly and the comedy and it's hilarious as well it is so funny but uh when they were like yeah it seems like a beacon so it could be that could lead into the eternal so that could be something that ties into it because they said it's thousands of years old it's older than anything that they've ever found which would make sense the eternals are the other thing that's older than anything else in the mcu so it could be a beacon for the what are they called i almost said decepticons what the fuck deviants Deviants, thank you it's deviant it is deviants and if it's not i don't know tweet us i don't care also fun fact if you look at the lyrics to hotel california there are a lot of references to the film like voices calling from far away and oh that's true yeah 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 place that you can't really leave yeah right interesting that's interesting i never actually picked up on that yeah i i uh i don't know what this was I think it's really just the origin story thing. I was just watching this. I was like, okay, I got this. I know where we're going. I think, I don't know why, when they went, once they got into the forest again, I was like, okay, we're here now. This is, we're going to, this is it. Man. Yeah. We had such differing opinions on this. I, I think you'll need to give it another watch. Oh no, I definitely do because, and I'm, I'm totally willing to, because like I said, I liked this movie. I, yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. saying that I hated this movie. I really, really liked it. To me, this was on par. This was very similar to like Black Panther. And that's the thing is I gave Black Panther another rewatch, you know, a while later and I loved it. Like I fell even more in love with it. So I think I just. Which is a, this is a similar thing that happened to me with Ant-Man, where the first time we saw Ant-Man, you loved it. And I was like, hey, I guess. Yeah. And then I watched it again later and I was like, you know what? It's pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I know this is going to be one I just have to watch again and then just kind of like, I don't know if I was watching it for the, for this show. So I was also kind of analyzing it a little more. And maybe now that I don't have to do that, I can rewatch it and just kind of kick back and relax. Let me just say this. I love this guy. Simo Lu, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. Un. Fucking believable. He has solidified and proven himself in the MCU. Absolutely. Totally fits firmly among all the other actors. So good. Unbelievable. Incredible uh, martial artists as well. Like he's he's doing all the same things as all the other actors. He's hitting all the dynamic moments. He's hitting all the beats. He knows how to be in an action movie and he knows how to have heart in it. Yeah. And he's also just like doing these unspeakable things with his body. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because I looked at his body and I was like, huh. That's what a body looks like when you're actually built to do the things that you do in the movie. Not (laughs) when you spend eight hours in a day just training in the gym to cut so it looks good on camera. Like, that's a real ass body right there. That guy is awesome. Well, and there's a difference between, right, uh, Chadwick Boseman used to talk about the, the hardest part about the training was that he would bulk up and then slim down and then bulk up and slim down and bulk up and slim down because when the outfit is off... When the outfit is off, you want to bulk up. Yeah, and when the outfit is on, you want to slim down. Yes, exactly. And Simulu's like, nah, this is me, man, because I do all the flips and everything, so this is what happens. And you know what, man? 
Giving me the vapors. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Getting me verklempt. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Amazing fighter. That bus sequence is going down. Incredible. In one, as one of the best fights in all of the MCU. The scaffolding fight, too, man. I, I The whole time I was watching the scaffolding fight, I was like, I don't know... Like, if a writer handed me that and I was the director, I'd be like, I have no idea how to shoot this. Right. I have right, no right. clue. And also, kudos to the fight choreographer. Yeah. Because a lot of Marvel's fight choreographers are not great. Sometimes they, they're fantastic. This one is one of the best ones. I don't know who it is. Right. But he's doing a stellar job, he or she. Yeah. Because, like, there's also, like, remember when they take the pendant at the beginning? Yeah. Uh, when he's on the bus? Yeah. There's a, literally a moment where Shang-Chi does a flip over Razor Fist, and you can see during the flip, he's got his pendant around his neck. Razor Fist, if you watch it frame by frame, Razor Fist brings up his hand and then is blocked by Shang-Chi. Like, you just can't see it, see his hand in the shot. And the next cut over, when Shang-Chi jumps in back into the bus and they separate the two pieces of the bus, the yeah. pendant is gone. Right, right, right. Brilliant. It's incredible. That I love that bus sequence in particular because not only is it a fight, but there's a there's a story going on at, in the form of a fight. You know what I mean? Yes. Like there is a battle going on that is not just like I'm kicking these guys' asses. There is a t- there's a push and a pull. And lots of homages to Jackie Chan when he uses his jacket to fight and uses pieces of the set. This really was definitely and I and I was very aware of this and obviously I think I'm not going to be the only one to say this, but this definitely was an homage and a tribute to the movies that have that have come to inspire it, that a lot of the, the fight movies from China, from Japan, from from the Asian community, mostly China, mostly China. <laughs> this is what it's referencing. Is given, is given tribute in this. Uh, like you said, there's there's rumble, I mean, the bus sequence and it's like it starts off almost like, all right, there's this movie and there's this movie. You know, the bus sequence is very much like this is your Jackie Chan movies right here. I mean, even that jacket sequence is straight from Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble in the Bronx? Rumble, Rumble in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Yeah. You know, and then obviously the fight between the dad and the mom the first time you're seeing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Which Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was an homage to earlier films from China. Yeah. And then they do this beautiful thing by the second and third act where they're taking different movies and just marrying them together. And the idea that, you know, you are showcasing this not simply as fight, but as essentially dance, that there is a, there is something beautiful about and balletic about the way that these fights can go on. And not only that, there, each fight has an arc. Yes. Yeah. yeah which yeah. is incredible. It is. Every movement in this ballet has an objective a goal and an obstacle. It's acting 101 put into fight choreography and it's brilliant. Yeah, it is. It really is. It really is. Uh, how about Aquafina in this movie? She, I, I did say, I was like, I'm not quite sure that they nailed her down. Yeah. And it may be an editing thing. I think mm-hmm. we haven't quite figured out how to nail those jokes timing wise that she has. Some of them felt a little off. I think this was one of my things that I bumped on is a couple of things. One, they're not, they have great chemistry together, but they're not, whoever was giving them their quips is, it was not good because really their idea of a joke was echoing exactly. It was saying exactly what you're looking at 
It was that thing. You know, someone's walking out of room and they're like, oh, so you're just walking out of room. Now, that was there was a lot of I that. I suspect that much of it was improvised. Yes, that felt like a bit that was improvised. Like, the oh, you changed your name from Sean to Sean. That went on way too long. Yeah, but for me, that I liked that. I thought that was actually I mean, as far as a joke, I like that joke. But there was a lot sure, of sure, but but then it, it kept going, and she was like, "It's like changing your name from Gina to Gina. It's like changing your name from Michael to Mickle. It's like, yeah, okay, we got the joke." I was uh, no, I see that one. I was I was okay with, but also, well, like, maybe what didn't you like? Uh, again, that kind of just like the echoing of whatever is you're looking at right away. You know what I mean? Whatever. There Do you were, remember any? I know it was a while back. I'm trying to think of a specific example. I just remember watching Like, again, it would be like if someone walked out of the room, they're like, so you're just walking out of the room now? And I'm like, yeah, there we're watching that. And there was those quips a couple of times over. And I was like, this is... I are you trying to establish this as a bit that these people do? I understand that that's their relationship. It's not that funny though. So that also may have been an editing thing too, because right. like if the joke doesn't work, just cut it. Right, you can just take the joke out. But that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. But also, Aquafina is a professional comedian, and is she? so she is. Wasn't she a hip hop person? Uh, she might have, but I think she is a professional comedian, and so you're you have this tool and you're underutilizing it and. Whenever I see that in a movie, it kind of makes me go like, why? Why get this person then? If you're going to use this person, we're both looking this up, aren't we? If Aquafina is a professional comedian. Yeah. I mean, she started as a rapper. Yes. I'm not seeing. I mean, I think she's a comedy actor. Like, I think she's been in some comedy films. You mean like stand up? Yeah, I thought she was a stand up. Maybe she's not. I don't think so. I think she cut her teeth on music. Yeah. And now she's doing movies. That's what I mean is I'm like, it felt a lot like someone improvising who doesn't know how to improv. And I don't know that that's on her. Yeah. Because if the director's like, I don't know, just say something funny, then like, that's not on you, you know? Oh, maybe I'm wrong. All right. I am wrong. She does do a lot of comedy, though. And she is, she even has her own. She has her own show on Comedy Central. Right, right. But, but so my point is that if if she isn't trained in this and it's right. possible she just sort of fell into comedy and it's very maybe she has great delivery. Right. But if it may not be on her that if the director was like, I don't know, just say something funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what she gives. You know, it's not on her. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. But that's what I think that's what I'm saying is that you have this person who has this great comedic ability. Right. And you're not giving her the material to really. Use her at her best, which whenever they do that in a movie really drives me nuts, because why why use this person then? There are also great comedic moments in this movie. Right. So no excuse, really. Right. Like, it's not like they didn't know what they were doing. You're like, oh, it's possible. I mean, as much as you think that joke went on too long, that is an example of me of like, that was a really funny joke. Like, she delivered that really well. Well, but even like the the post credit scene where Wong is at karaoke, I I died. It was so funny. So we know that you're capable of this. Why are you not utilizing it? You know, I actually felt the same way. This is a weird pull, but Jurassic World and Chris Pratt, they just use it. We've seen him in Guardians of the Galaxy. We know he can carry an action movie and be funny. That's what he does. He's really he is a very funny guy. In Jurassic World, they gave him literally like one joke the whole time. And I'm like, why use him? There's 20,000 other actors you could get for this role. Why use him? Yeah. And you got the fat guy from Parks and Rec. Right. Why? Exactly. Get Daniel Craig. And so (laughs) Aquafina is another one where 
don't tell me that the only you couldn't find another Asian actress. They're out there. You can find one. Well, also, uh, so for starters, kudos to them for not putting John Cho in this movie. Right. <laughs> or Ken Young, who are yeah. both in like every movie that stars mostly Asians. Right. But uh, hats off to them for using Ronnie Chang, who's in every Asian movie. Right. Uh, you have to have one. You have to, you know, yeah, just to make right. sure. But I'm like, find someone else then. Don't, you know, use someone else. If you're going to use Aquafina, who is a gifted comedian. Or don't make her do jokes if they, or cut them if yeah. they don't work. Like, yeah, yeah. to me, that's a directing issue. You know what I mean? Like, if you mm-hmm. have either the writer gave you jokes that aren't funny or you said, hey, make something funny happen, Aquafina, go just be funny right now. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, get rid of it. No, I agree with you. I don't, it's not her, but let me be clear. I don't think she's bad in the movie. I think she's misused in the movie, which drives me, which is one of my big pet peeves. Tony Leung, the dad, is excellent. I think Michelle Yeoh is excellent. I, I think everyone is excellent. The sister is excellent. Cast is fantastic. Yeah, the plot in this, again, a little straightforward, but I like the, the, that they broke it up with some flashbacks, you know, as opposed to just showing it all up front. And then uh, when the twists and turns don't happen in the plot so much as they happen in the fights where you're you're just like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, like I felt so tense every time there was a fight going on. It's totally unlike I remember we said a similar thing about Black Widow, but totally unlike that, where during Black Widow, it's like, man, you feel those hits and you still you feel them here, too. But this is more about. Just uh, I felt so tense watching them like, oh, my God, how are they going to get out of this? Well, when they do and when you make a fight scene like that, that good and you give it that kind of story arc within the fight scene, it makes it so I don't know how this is going to end like that scaffolding scene. That is amazing. At the end, he essentially loses the fight, but you don't see that coming. Because you're just so involved in the moment. You know what I mean? Like you are, you figure if, if this was any other movie, they would fight for a while and then the bad guy would just get away. But this is so good that, and they're so evenly matched that, uh, he wins over his opponent, but essentially he loses fight because the father comes in at that moment. And that it has that twist and turn. It has that back and forth. The, the idea of like, power essentially changing hands or who with the upper hand changing from moment to moment. By the way, I felt a little unsatisfied that that whoever that mask guy was died and we got zero backstory on that, on who the hell that person was. Hey, look, if you really want it, write a letter to Kevin Feige and ask for a prequel. I'm just like, is that someone from the comics? They, I, I have no idea. I was like, what is the reason? I never read Shang-Chi. Racist. I, no, I didn't read it because it was super racist. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yes, I was referring to Marvel, not you. Nah, I was referring to you. Do you want to talk about some Easter eggs? Yes. Oh, I do want to talk about Easter eggs. Oh, just to finish this point, I was like, why is that one person different from everybody else? And then you not explain it at all. It was like Chekhov's weird samurai fighting. <laughs> That's racist. Samurai or Japanese? No, it wasn't. Sap- You're right. It's not samurai. Uh, Kung fu? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's so, uh, Chekhov's Kung Fu Fighter. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about some Easter eggs. So the first one I want to talk about, I want to bring this up before I forget, because I just thought about it. And you reminded me the scene where I don't know if this is intentional, but it's the same joke. The scene where they're like. Hey, we're not falling for that. We're not going to join you. We're not going to fight alongside you to fight these, you know, dragons or whatever. You're making this up. And then uh, that Kung Fu master warrior teacher person gets like his soul sucked out. And they're like, 
okay, I think we should all work together or whatever. That joke is the same joke from the first Avengers where Captain America's like, I need all you police to go over there. And they're like, why should we listen to you? And he like knocks out a couple of the Chitauri and they're like, all right, we all got to go over there. I don't think that's on purpose, but it does. Sure it, it is a nice But parallel. it's the same joke. It is the same joke. Yeah. We saw the, the dude who yells, do a flip in Spider-Man Homecoming, which was very funny. Oh, really? When did we see yeah, him? Yeah, the guy with the camera who's watching him on the that bus fight. Is that is the guy, guy who's like, oh yeah, you're Spider-Man? Then do a flip. I forgot that that's that. <laughs> guy that yeah. guy was really funny yeah i'm not so gonna brought him drive back. a bus because everybody always yells at me every time i try and drive a bus yeah. that was great yeah so, was so i was good. really glad they brought him back he was very funny in spider-man home he's like getting a hot dog in spider-man homecoming and, that's right yeah. that's right we also had a i don't know if you caught this we had a black widow fighting a guy with extremis i saw the extremis so that was actually one that i i wanted to try and look up and i didn't get a chance to of where possible easter eggs would be similar to the suicide squad when they're walking through the prison as they were doing the fights i was like there's i think there's like a thousand easter eggs going on and i can't i can't find it i can't see them um i i spotted the extremis i didn't see that she was a black widow how did you know she was black widow did she have this symbol on her so she had she was wearing natasha romanov's outfit with the black and the black widow belt oh i should okay. with the, the symbol but also that actress for, so a couple things one that actress plays one of the widows who's set free in the black widow movie and additionally in the credits her character is listed as widow oh well that makes sense yeah there you go so there's a lot in that we got abomination played by abomination, tim roth who looks a little different now he looks closer to normal abomination yeah he's closer to the comics in the same way that um the hulk looks a little different from that movie yeah i which i i like i like that like there's some sort of progression there i guess yeah where do they go when Wong opens up a portal, it looks like a containment cell. OK, we had theorized that in Multiverse of Madness, there's going to be like beings held underneath, right, you right, know, right, right, right. But it could also be somewhere like the raft. Right, right. But I just found it. into. I was like, where is that? What is that thing? Right yeah, there? it's possible they're doing like a Suicide Squad style thing where like if Abomination helps out with, right. you know, the Avengers, they'll take some years off his sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping for more Wong. I really wanted more Wong. I like Wong. I was hoping that we'd see Doctor Strange, actually. But if you're right and they all take place at the same time, he's off doing all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that there are any Easter eggs for this, but I was going to ask you because I'm like, Andrew will see it. The playlist that is in the car when they first get inside Talo. Talo. Is it Talo? Am I? Yeah. Uh, Okay. I gave it my best try. <laughs> All right. When they first get into Talo, they're, they're driving Razor Fist car and they get, they finally break through the trees and they stop. And you can see clearly the dash. There's some sort of playlist on there. Oh, I did not see it. I didn't and I was see like, it maybe. Okay. No. I want to see if, if anyone has seen this and can spot some sort of Easter egg, I, it may just be nothing, but that doesn't strike me as Marvel's MO. So I was like, I, those songs are put there on purpose, I feel. I, it, it was clearly in the shot, and I didn't get a chance to check it out. Um, so if any of you listening out there have seen it and know what it is, if there's something to it, 
tweet us, tweet at us or write us in or Facebook or whatever. Diet tweet us like Wilford Brimley. Diet tweet us. We brought up the Hotel California stuff yeah. already, but also when they first do karaoke, they're singing a whole new world from Aladdin, uh, foreshadowing that they're going to be visiting a whole new world oh, together. Oh, that look at you adding yep. a new layer to it. <laughs> uh, I just figured they were singing because they're like, we uh, we're owned by Disney now. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's free. We can do we this. As well. Yeah, we, have, we don't have to pay for the rights for this. Love it. I love that even after getting his outfit, he still has to wear his valet black slacks in every job he has. <laughs> Don't you love that? Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did love as well that when he goes into fight and he doesn't have his shirt because Ronnie Chang tells him yeah. to take it off, he's still wearing his jeans. Yes. And I was like, can you imagine having to do like a ring fight in jeans? Yeah, no wonder he lost that fight. He was yeah, in jeans. No kidding. I did love that whole sequence that, in that, it was good. In that fight. fight. Yeah. Okay. Here's another thing that I bumped on. Okay. Are we done with Easter eggs? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know if you had more. Please, please continue with Easter eggs. Trevor Slattery's back. Ben Kingsley's back. I love back. that he was back. I like that he has a little pet butt. <laughs> Marvin. Or, it's a little pet furry butt. Is. That's what it looks like. God. Where does it poop? I don't understand. It's <laughs> all I can think. The Mandarin is mentioned that uh, we, we get Guy Pierce mentioned in the Ten Rings. And I like that they I like that he brought that up. I like the way that they brought that up. I think they, too. very quickly, very quickly, but still like worked it actually into the story. Yep. In a very meaningful way, which I really liked. But also we didn't dwell on it. We didn't take exactly. a lot of time. We were just like, hey, some of this was real. Some like some of this was me. Some of it wasn't. And right. People made a weird name out of it. I don't know why they right. called it the Mandarin. Yeah, you know? I love that that he brought it up which also it was smart to do because then later on when they reintroduced trevor slattery you're not like wait who is this again you had put that back in your mind to, so that it was brought to the forefront which was really really smart yeah and in the comics his sister is a villain i don't think that she runs the 10 rings in fact as you know i think the mandarin is more of a the character that this person represents, the guy who has the rings in the comics, is known as the Mandarin. He's more of an Iron Man villain. Right. But his uh, Shang-Chi's sister is a villain in the comics, one of his like main villains that he fights. And that might be it. That's yeah. all I can really remember. I, I wish I had been able to see it more than once or take notes or something. Yeah. But I, I think that's pretty much it. Does Katie understand Chinese or doesn't she? Right. I had that question as well. I don't think she does. Right. But there are certain times when somebody says something... Like really specific, it, like aim is, for the throat, like aim for the throat. And I'm like, how do you know what he's saying? Because it's not that's a very specific thing. That's not something like I've I've had conversations with people where we don't speak the same language and they're talking in their native tongue. And I'm like, by context clues, I'm able to understand what you're saying and you're able to understand what I'm saying. Or I've spent enough time with you that we can do this. But. Yeah, there were certain times when she was like, I don't understand Chinese. And then certain times when she just did. So to be fair, she never said, I don't understand Chinese. What she did say once was, what does that mean? Or I don't know what that means or something. It is possible. She said something about not understanding Chinese that well. I think that's a line she okay, says. Okay, that there. well, maybe. But re remember, she grew up with a parent who is from China and a yes. grandparent who only speaks Chinese. Yes. So there is a possibility that some of it, throat, she might know. Right. But like a blood debt can only be repaid with blood or whatever. Probably has yeah. a lot of stuff that she she probably doesn't know. Right. But like if the guy says throat, that's a body part. You're, you might She might be like, yeah. okay, I think I get that. It's also possible 
that she just heard like, hey, we got to kill that thing is probably what he said. And then he was gone. And she was like, well, I guess I'll aim for the throat. Right. You know? I Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that there's if that's the case, they just need to show like. The fact that she's picking up every second because she reacts to certain phrases that are said to her with com- like she has complete understanding. I agree. I think there needed to be a like like he says, you know, she can't shoot a bow or whatever. And he and she needs to say like, ah, no, thanks. I already had breakfast. Right. You exactly. know, or something like that. There does need to be more of that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, there can be even a moment where, like, he gets picked off and she's like, wait, what did you say? What does that mean? And then she's like, uh, I guess I'll just shoot it. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's there's an in-between. Or if it's what you're saying, then acknowledge the fact that she picked up just one word. She can say the word that means throat and be like, throat, throat, and, like, shoot the arrow. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which also then adds a, a, just a, that little bit more tension to it. You yeah. know, there's a little twist in there. Right. If she's the person we're depending on and she doesn't speak the language. Right. Then all of a sudden we go, oh, no, she doesn't understand what's going on. And then at the last second says throat. Then it's a turn of a turn of events. Right. You know, it's a little bit. Actually, that moment would be a bit of a hearkening back to uh, the penitent man kneels or whatever. Kneels, kneel. And he like rolls. Yeah. Finally, Marvel gives us a fucking dragon. I mean, we had hints of one before. I, we had hints of one. Listen, Ike Perlmutter would not be fucked to spend the money needed on a Netflix TV show to show us a real dragon. Ike Perlmutter is rolling around in his grave right now. I know he's alive. I'm saying he sleeps in a coffin. <laughs> his soul has been dead for decades, though. Yeah, he's literally rolling in his grave right now, just going like, oh my gosh, how much did that dragon cost? And someone's like, uh, sir, actually, there were two dragons. And he's like, two dragons? <laughs> I don't know if you heard as well we won't get into it uh, because we might bring it up next week but I some stuff came out about Ike Perlmutter that the introduction of Squirrel Girl was nixed it was canceled because Ike Perlmutter thought it was too gay <laughs> oh, okay I'm, I'm I'm I am so furious with this man I've never met I know you love Squirrel Girl yeah this is you do love Squirrel Girl Ironically, you're very gay for Squirrel Girl. Have you ever seen a squirrel? Uh, Sorry. Have you ever seen a squirrel without any pants on? (laughs) Have you seen one with its nuts? Oh, my God. (laughs) You're so proud of that joke. That joke could have gone in this movie. Here's my last note. I have a feeling you're going to be like, fuck you for this. Too many Asians. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) And they all should have smiled more. Just the women. (laughs) I can't. We're all joking about this. If you're getting offended, we're mocking the people that say this. I feel like at a certain point I have to say that. And if you didn't catch that we were joking and you said they're right, get the fuck away. Yep, exactly. Okay, I'm just going to read you exactly as I wrote in my notes. I can't tell if the Ten Rings are not as impressive as they make them out to be or if he, meaning the dad, is not using them in that creative of a way. Like... They make it seem like they are this all-powerful thing, and this is why he's been able to remain in power for thousands of years and everything. But, again, kind of like what I said with Doctor Strange the first time around, he doesn't use them all that creatively. Like, there's a lot of, like, shields and 
you know, power blasts and things like that. But I'm like, I'm not quite getting what exactly these are powerful. But now in a day. okay, so in thousands of years ago, I totally understand how he was able to take over everything. But now in this modern day, when we live in a world of Thor and Iron Man and Chitauri and aliens and Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and things like that. The Ten Rings, the way that they were being utilized in this movie, I was like, they don't seem that impressive to me. That being said, when Shang-Chi got them, he was doing slightly other things with them that I was like, that's more impressive. So and that's when I had this thought, like during their fight scene and he got some of the rings, he was using them as like stepping stones and throwing. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't tell how powerful these things are. And I can't actually, you may have missed it. His dad used them as stepping stones as well. Did they? Maybe Mm -hmm. I, uh, and some of it may, I may just have missed. I think that's an important part of the story though, as well, is that one, when you're going up against people with bows and arrows, you don't have to do anything else. No. And additionally, when you're going up against regular people, even with guns, right, you don't have to do very much with them. So, uh, I think that's part of it too. And that's part of the reason he went exploring, to Talo in the first place was to learn the ways to control them. And it's why Shang-Chi's mother was able to beat him because those rings come from Talo. And so she knows all about them and how to control them fully just from her, her learnings from growing up. And so, um, and that's another thing too. The reason he loses is because he only uses them for brute force, which is a, um, you know, Bruce Lee used to have this saying about uh, there's a video of him explaining on camera what is the difference between kung fu and karate. And he says karate is like an iron bar that you slam it down and it goes wang. But kung fu is like a ball attached to a long chain and you fling it around. And as it hits, it goes wang and like hits really hard because you're like whipping it. And in that same way, that's what we're learning here is that he is using it for like just punching brute force where it can be used in a sort of more whimsical ethereal kind of way i get what you're saying and i did pick and i pick up on that that the idea is like shang chi wins in the end because he's able to kind of utilize these things in a more i guess poetic way or a more creative way or more fluid way but i think also what i was missing is that there's no instance where I fully see the scope of like what these things are and why they're again, we have already seen something like the infinity gauntlet that can literally take away half the population of all of space and time, you know? And I understand this is a smaller movie, but when you have a MacGuffin now after seeing a much larger MacGuffin, I need to understand why this is as you are making this out to be so powerful. I need to see just a snippet of just how big is this? Like, what is the the power range that we're dealing with? And I didn't quite get that. So, and like I said, I was like, I think it's just the dad and that's how he's and how it's, he's using it. And I understand that some of that is part of the story, but I think that uh, that's where it fell short for me just a little bit. Where it's like, I don't quite get how big this is our first time seeing it. The first time we saw the infinity stones, I mean, we didn't know what was going on with the time stone or the space stone, you know, is the Tesseract like we were like, we have no idea what that is. Yes, but those are all separate stones. 
And then they grew in power because they were put together, right? The Ten Rings are all together. But we didn't know that when we saw the Tesseract. We had no idea what it was. Fair. That's a fair point. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it, give it time. Like, the, the end credits, the post credit scene for this movie was all about how, hey, this is something else and we don't understand it. So, right, right, right. give them a chance. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I just... Like I said, kind of the same thing we said with Doctor Strange, where we're like, he's the the Sorcerer Supreme, and it's a lot of fireworks and... Circles. It's circles. And I was like, there's a lot of just power blasts and things like that. Especially after his introduction was like a mind-bending trip through space and time. Right. For like, they had like that 10-minute montage of him flying through dimensions, and then an hour and a half of circles. Of shields and portals. Yeah. And this was... this. I think felt slightly similar to that where it was like, they were like, it's the most powerful thing on the planet. And that's why he was able to, you know, stay alive for thousands of years and take over kingdoms. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay. But the but- difference between those two as well is that Dr. Strange had training in it. He and did. this guy is just picking it up. The dad, you mean? No, no, no. The, the son oh, is, Shang-Chi. well, both of them, both of them are just picking it up and they're going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out as he goes. Right. But by year 1000, not if you don't need it, though. That's what I'm trying to say is that, like, it, you know, if he's just like, I can kill anyone like this, why would you risk it? Right. Again, I also think this is a character who is power hungry and takes over wherever he goes. So why has he not? Why is he just kind of a, a very, 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 very high level gangster or terrorist as opposed to something a little more on a global scale? Why has he not used the rings to say, Try and just literally take over the world. Probably because there are people like Thor and he doesn't know if it's going to allow him to do that. Right. But that's what I mean. Is that is is he not doing it because he doesn't know or is he not doing it because he's tried and they're not that powerful? That's where the disconnect was. I was like, why have you if have you tried this and it has not worked? I think if he fought the Avengers, we would have seen it. But that's what I'm saying. Why is it not gotten to the point? This does not seem like a man who hits a certain point and goes. This is where I stop. That's why he goes to Talo. Right. But this is what I'm saying. Why has this not happened before? Why has he not tried? Because he to had to do the research to figure out how to do it. Not go to Talo. I'm saying, why has he not tried to? Because that is the next step. The next step. He was he's been trying to figure out more about these rings. And he spent a thousand years trying to figure out where he can go to learn more about them. And after a thousand years, he figures it out by going to Talo. Yeah. Are you talking about when he meets the mother? Are you talking about at the end of the movie? No, no. I'm talking about he's spending a thousand years worth of time researching. How do I get better at this? Is there where did these rings come from? How do I use them? Right. And finally, he finds out that they are from this place called Tallow. Yes. And he goes and he tried to try and get better at using them and to try to become more powerful. And instead, he meets this woman he falls in love with and he puts it away. All right, and then sorry. he goes back to Tallow. All right. Whatever. <laughs> You're dumb. Watch it again. Fine, I will. I I just, there's something about, uh, again, I was just like, I don't quite get the power. I don't quite get how powerful this is. And I think he was gaining more and more power over the course of a thousand years, not necessarily in his hands, but with money and status and prowess. I understand that. But then it's. And then he reached a plateau after a thousand years. Right. But that's what I'm saying. This guy is not the type of character that reaches a plateau. This guy is the type of character who just. I disagree. I think you reach a plateau and then you go to the next plateau and then you go to the next plateau. And I think he got as much power as he could with the knowledge that he had about the rings. I don't think that's true. And began researching. But that's my thing. It's like after. 
character. You think that that guy could have beaten the Hulk? I don't know. With the way he was using the rings? I'm not saying that he could or he couldn't. I'm saying there was no point where he went, I either tried or there was no point where he went, I decided not to do that. I decided. I guess. I don't think the movie needs him to be like, you know, I thought about trying to fight the Hulk, but I don't know how strong these rings are, so I'm not gonna. No, but I'm saying... but that's what I mean, is that if this is, we watch him conquer army after army in the past, and he grew to, you know, they talk about how he took over, and he has this worldwide thing. This is not a guy who hits a certain point and then goes, all right, I am now powerful enough. This is a guy who just keeps going. So once he has hit this global thing that the Ten Rings are on every corner of the world, why is he not tried to take over the world, essentially? Like, why, you know... Is that is that an ability that the, the Ten Rings has? Is he truly, completely unstoppable in that way? Well, I mean, he tried to capture uh, Tony Stark. <laughs> right. But those those were that was an extension of him. That was an actually. Him. Right. But that's, you know, the, I, I, it was just something that I was like, I can't tell if this guy again, just the I think the potential that they said the rings have. And then what we saw on screen for me, there was a slight disconnect of like. Okay, well, where is more of that then? I feel like there was more to be seen. I feel like there was more that they could do. Yeah, and I guess I'm just content knowing that they're probably going to go into that in the future. Well, you're a settler. I don't think this That's movie needed you do. that. You settle. You settle for a I reached for a, a plateau. Second. Yeah, and then you just went, eh, good enough. Yeah. All right, yeah. I mean, like I said, listen, but despite this conversation, I I really like this movie. I I mean, I really do. I I. I highly recommend it. You love this movie. You recommend it as well. Don't put words in my mouth. All right, fine. Don't recommend it. I don't care. Tell everybody not to go see it. Don't put words in my mouth. I do recommend it. All right, fine. Fine. So that being said, you want to go into the reading assignment? Now that we've talked about this for an hour, I have to edit this. <laughs> I know. I was trying to move on. No, you were not. Yes, Just, I you was. You picked a fight with me. Well, you took up the fight. That's your fault. <laughs> It's true. Okay. My past. You know I can't control who I pick fights with. I'll just roll with. over next time. Thank you. That's what I look for. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to the reading assignment. So you gave me Craven's Last Hunt. And actually, before we talk about this, I don't know if you saw the trailer for Spider-Man 2 for the PS5, the video game. I have not yet. I haven't seen the okay. trailer for it. Well, I am going to slightly spoil it. That's fine. Go for it. Because uh, we may be getting... One Craven, Craven the Hunter, and he's not. He's just sort of suggested. He's hinted at. Okay. You hear a person talking with a Russian accent about how they've been hunting yeah. for the the sport or whatever. I mean, he was one of the top villains when he wasn't in the first one. That people were like, "Well, he better be in the second one." And he will fit perfectly in that universe. Yeah. So Craven's Last Hunt. This is a storyline from way back in the day, yeah. from 1987. This the year is, I was born. Uh, oh, shut up. <laughs> this is a black suit Spider-Man story right here. This was. Uh, it's written by J.M. Dematis and Michael Zack did the art. So this is basically this is a pretty renowned storyline for Spider-Man. Craven, who has always hunted Spider-Man as kind of like the ultimate prey, decides that he cannot. Go on. He cannot feel like the ultimate hunter until he has proved to Spider-Man once and for all that he is his better. He doesn't have to necessarily kill him. He actually just has to prove to him that he is a better version than whatever Spider-Man could be. Right. It's not necessarily about being stronger or winning a fight. He has to show him that not only that he could kill him if he wanted to. 
but that he is better in he's a, a more supreme specimen. Yes, exactly. All right. Let me just first of all, I like this. All right. If you like this, it's one of these stories that if you like this, you will like this. If you dislike this, you will hate this. I think it's very cerebral. I was going to say heady. Yeah. Yes. It's very, very heady. There's really almost no actual dialogue between characters. Most issues, it's six issues and most issues are from one character's perspective. Essentially they switch in between, but a lot of it is like between from like one character's perspective at a time. And it's mostly the inner narration of that character, whether it's Craven or Peter Parker or Mary Jane or Vermin. Um, uh, so a lot of soliloquies, a lot of soliloquies, a <laughs> lot of it. So this is very much a story about what makes a person who they are, right? Specifically Peter Parker, especially, but this is about what exactly what makes a person who they are and what kind of makes Spider-Man who he is. I think in the end, it's about the fact that Spider-Man is who he is because Peter Parker is who he is. The writer, Dematis, actually talks a little bit about this, about how the idea is that Peter Parker does not become Spider-Man. He doesn't put on the mask. It's not like Batman, right? Spider-Man, who he is, is because Peter Parker is a human being. He's a caring, kind, personable person. And that transfers. Oh, that is the same whether he's wearing the Spider-Man costume or not. Kevin Conroy has often talked about we've we've brought it up on the show a number of times that his interpretation of Batman. Uh, Kevin Conroy played Batman in the animated series in the nineties, and he is all, and that is critically yeah. acclaimed as like totally changing Batman for the better. Every Batman rendition after that has been totally the the as good as it could be because of his rendition. And uh, he has often said that his interpretation was that Batman was not Bruce Wayne putting on a disguise. Bruce Wayne is Batman putting on a disguise that he is Batman. When he talks to himself, he's Batman. When he thinks he's Batman, it's Batman's voice in his head. When he's alone with someone else who knows he's Batman, he's Batman. It is not until he is in front of someone who doesn't know he's Batman that he puts on the Bruce Wayne mask. And Peter Parker, like you just brought up, is the total opposite of that. Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And he is only as good as Peter Parker is. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, first of all, spoiler for Craven's Last Hunt. Which you should read if you haven't. You should it's read excellent. if you haven't. And also, it's a pretty seminal story as far as the character of Craven. So at the end of the day, Craven feels that he is actually best as Spider-Man. He's proven that he's the superior and so, again, spoiler alert, big spoiler alert for the end of the storyline, <laughs> kills himself. Like, full on, not mysteriously, like, maybe ducks into the shadows. No, he full on shoots himself in the head. And even before that, he gives people the impression that Spider-Man is doing all sorts of villainous things. And before he kills himself, he leaves a letter exonerating Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much wipes that slate clean just to say... I'm letting you off the hook for this, but just so you know, I'm only because I can, I have the power to do so. And Craven then didn't show up. He was as a character. He was retired until 2009. So first of all, good on Marvel for, you know, sticking to their guns for 22 years with one of their best characters. Yeah. So a little bit just kind of going off this idea of like what makes a person who they are and the kind of the themes of the story you have in it. You have a little bit of 
poetry in it. I could look it up really quick, but it's from a, a, a poem actually by William Blake called Tiger Tiger. And in the comic, they simply replace the word tiger with spider. And you know it's literature because tiger and spider are spelled with a Y. <laughs> oh, it's sorry. Uh, the name of the poem is The Tiger. So in the comic, what it would say is spider, spider burning bright in the forest of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? And basically, if you read the rest of this poem, it is about talking about what makes you who you are. Where did this portion of you come from? What did this aspect of you come from? What makes a person exactly who they are? Are they made by the experiences that shape them? Are they made through the person that they are and the way that they enter it? Here's my question for you as we're getting into this really heady conversation real quick. So Craven sets out to become Spider-Man and to prove himself the better version, essentially. Do you think Craven succeeds? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. I mean, I think just from the standpoint of like, he killed Spider-Man. I mean, not literally. Right. But he buried him for two weeks. Yeah. And could have easily killed this man. I love that panel, that page as well of him being like, I, I, you know, these guys never do this. He's not going to kill me. Right. He's going to take me right. to his lair or something. And then he's like, is that a gun? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he just fucking shoots him. That alone. Like, I was like, where in the world are they even going to take this from here? And even after that, he shows that he is willing to do things to save New York that Peter Parker is not willing to do, which is probably the reason we talk about this all the time that like. Batman is not only a gift to Gotham, he's also its curse, because if he could just, like, we don't want him to kill these characters, but if he if he did, there'd be no story. Joker would be dead in a heartbeat. Right, right. Uh, and it's, Spider-Man's no different. If he just snapped Doc Ock's neck, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have to worry about anything. Right, but is that, okay, so the question I think is then, is what makes you a hero the simple task of being able to get the job done the best. Well, now we're talking about two different things. Like, are we saying, is he a better hero than Spider-Man? Absolutely not. But if you're asking, like, Craven's goal is not to prove that he's, like, a better superhero. Right. His goal is to prove that he is a better specimen. That he is, yes. in, in, like, the eyes of Darwinism, that he is better suited to... Do the job, right? Whatever it is, whatever the job is that Spider-Man is supposed to do, Craven is better at it. Right. I don't know that he's a better hero, but I don't think he was trying to be. No, I mean, he is a better specimen or that's what that's the standards that he's going with. But that's I think that's the interesting thing about this comic is that and this is the kind of conversation it allows people to have once you read it is because Craven set out to do something. And yeah, he accomplished it. But at the end of the day. It's so heady. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to find the words. Well, I think also another thing that to stay on that point a little bit, something Craven proved that I think makes him better, even as a hero, is that he has both the ability to kill when necessary and not kill when he doesn't need to. So he left Spider-Man alive. He proved he he can just let people go if he wants to. He has that mental capacity. He's not just some murderer who's going to just kill people for no reason. But he did show that he, if he needs to, can take people out, which Spider-Man has done in the past. But for the most part, he tries to be non-lethal. 
that's the goal. Whereas Craven has proved that if he needs to, he is more willing to end the problem in any way possible. Right. I have an interesting bit of trivia before we go about this. You want you want a little bit yeah. of trivia on yeah, this? Yeah. So this story at one point... JM pitched this as a Batman story to DC. He pitched this as a story to Batman where the Joker ends up killing Batman. And what would happen with the Joker if that were to happen? And DC rejected this story because it was too close to a story at the time that they were publishing a little story called The Killing Joke. And they didn't like the idea of like having these two very Joker-centric uh, kind of character pieces uh, right at the same time. I think that's a mistake, man. Here's the thing. So he pitches this as a storyline for Batman. DC rejects it because they're like, we have the killing joke. This is a little close to that. And we don't want to do two things kind of at the same time that are very similar to each other. So then he does this with Spider-Man. And then he does that same storyline that he pitched before to DC no later way. on. Yes. There's a real, so you can, it's, um, I want to look this up. I want to actually look this up and read it. And then if I like it, this might become another reading assignment, but it's called, uh, it's in legends of the dark Knight, and it's called, it's not called faces. What's it called? I should have written this part down. I meant to write you this. You said you took notes. I do have notes, but this is, I didn't know this. I, listen, I can't take notes on literally everything because I don't know where the conversation's going to go. Tangled webs? No. Creation point. Absolution. It's not, it's not any of that. Hold on. New age dawning. Going sane. Going sane. That's it. That's it. It's that. It's going sane. I just Googled his name. Joker kills Batman. Yeah. Oh, that feels so much better. Going Sane. Yeah. So he later published Legends of the Dark Knight uh, under a storyline called Going Sane because he proposed that if the Joker were to finally be able to kill Batman, he would go sane. He would it would finally kind of click in and he would just become the sane person. Is this before or after maybe Batman year one? What was the one where Joker is a politician? Oh, this is much more before. This is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's fairly similar as well. The Joker is very that's fairly similar to this. Yeah. 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 That was, that was just published in the last couple of years. I mean, they pitched this, this, um, Craven's last hunt was created in 87. He pitched this before this and then legends of the dark Knight was canceled. I think like 2007. Finally looks like 2008 is when this came out. Okay. Now I'm telling you about it. Yeah. Get your shit together, man. Hey, listen, I can't just carry the weight of the show all the time like this. <laughs> oh my God. That was, some big, that was some bold words. I just put down. I know. I was going to say, you're going to be good editing this, right? Uh, yeah. I'll be okay, fine. Great. Yeah. I'll be good. Great. So yeah, but I find that interesting. I find it's it very interesting. interesting. This, I, yeah, yeah. I want you to read it and get back to me. I want to know how it is. All right. Yeah. So anything else to add about Craven's Last Hunt? I I can't recommend this enough. It's really great. Yeah, I think it's I would love to see someone. I would love to see a, a comic remake, which doesn't really happen. No, but I'd love to see someone else now, like new artist, new writer, right. take the idea of Craven and give him the outline. Craven finds Spider-Man. Craven kills Spider-Man. Right. And it's got to be cerebral. It's got to be really so thoughtful and it's got to be like something that makes the reader think and like out there really weird yeah and just go and see what they do with it this is just to kind of sum up this is one of those storylines that and one of those series of comics that when people talk about like 
Comic books are literature. Comic books are a valid form. This is something you can hand a person and go like, this is true. Like, it's not always this good, but this proves that this is a, a an art form that has legitimacy. Like, this is up there for me with like a Watchmen, you know, something on that level of writing. But much more easily digestible, too. It is more easily digestible. But the 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 poetic thought and the idea, the themes that go into this, the style and everything, they they kind of try and break from the normal form. To tell a story. It's very interesting, too, because there's going against Watchmen. It's not like a mystery. There's no. not like, a oh, what's going to happen? It's really just like, this is so insane. Same. This is just very it is very much just a character piece for six yes. issues there. I mean, there's only really essentially four characters in this and you just explore those four characters. How do you feel about Aaron Taylor Johnson getting his own Craven movie? Great. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, oh, listen, what is he going to hunt? I guess is really the question. I'm nervous. That's the only thing. I'm nervous about like, you know, they gave Jay and Silent Bob their own movie and it wasn't as good. They gave Jack Sparrow his own movie and it wasn't as good. I love that you use Jay and Silent Bob as the first <laughs> well, I'm example. Just, when you take these characters that are very good supporting characters. Right. Venom. Great example. I don't know what they were thinking when they thought they were going to make a Venom movie. And the release time was just released for the new Venom movie, 90 minutes, which usually means it's going to be a pile of shit. Right. I think, here's the thing, I think this storyline proves that Craven is a character that could hold his own story. I think this this storyline proves that. I agree, but I think you need to introduce him as the supportive role first. I don't necessarily think you have to introduce him as the sort of supportive role first, but... I do think, again, his whole motif is I am the ultimate hunter and I'm hunting the ultimate prey. I don't know what that is in a solo Craven movie. Probably Venom. Right. But then that's it. And here's the thing. If you want to do that. Morbius. Yeah. See, Morbius sucks. That's the thing, though, is that like, okay, so we're going to have a Morbius movie, which might be very good. Right. But what you're doing is counting on people being like, oh, yeah, that's Spider-Man character. Right. They're not going to do that. No one's going to see this movie in the same way that people don't know who Craven is. They're not going to see this movie. Right. I understand that. That, But that's what I'm saying is that I think this could be a character that you could pull people in who don't know the character of Craven in if you give him an adversary that is good enough. However, I don't know what that is. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless it's Spider-Man and then it becomes a Spider-Man movie, essentially, or unless it's Venom and then it becomes a Venom movie. If you put them in there, I don't know what that is. If you took this character and removed the name so it didn't have the name recognition and plopped him into his own movie and gave him a proper... Again, it gave him a proper adversary. The motifs, the themes of this character that we see in this storyline prove that he could carry a storyline on his own. And I think it would attract people. I disagree. That's the part I disagree with. I agree that I think he could do it. But everything goes off of opening weekend. This isn't the days of like Star Wars, where the opening weekend of of the first Star Wars movie, uh, A New Hope, before it was called that, grossed $1,400 or something. And then every weekend after that, it grossed more and more and more until it was the biggest hit of the summer. This That doesn't happen anymore. So we're going to get a Craven movie. No one's going to see it opening weekend. And it might be great, but Disney, Marvel, or Sony, I guess, is going to view it as... A failure. But that's what I think as far as making a good movie, I think you can make a good movie out of this without 
again, I think you could take a character like this and, and without any sort of reg- name recognition in the right hands, they could craft a really good story. But I also think that this is a movie, this like Craven's Last Hunt. I gave it to you as like, I was like, I think you could just sort of jump. You know enough about Spider-Man and the villains and stuff that I think you could jump into this. But I think for the most part, like you couldn't start with Craven's Last Hunt as a movie. No, 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 you can't. But uh, but you can uh, tell a movie about a man who who finds who considers himself the ultimate hunter and then finds locks in on a prey that he must conquer in order to feel complete as a person. There are themes in that type of story that you can work with to tell a compelling story. The problem is, what is that ultimate prey? If you're not doing Spider-Man, if you're not doing Venom, if it's not really a comic book movie, what is something so big that they could hunt? I also don't know that I could just get behind a protagonist who's like, I just want to be the best at killing yeah, stuff. But that's the thing is that that's where you introduce like, well, motivations. Why? What is that? You know? Yeah. Uh, what is that type of person? OK, let's let's. Uh, let's so I need to give you something. I think I'm going to have been debating on this one for a while. I think what I'll do is I've, this is one, another one that I haven't read, but it's kind of nice because it's a reading assignment that has been requested that we do by a couple of different people. There's a friend of mine, Tony, who's a patron who said that we should do this. Eric Scott of the Not Movie Podcast has also recommended this to me as well. Are they still going? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think they're working, working on getting around to it, but, uh, this is one that has been recommended by a few different people. This it's Superman. This is one where he fights the KKK. No, that's a Damn. different thing. I I could give you that one too. Superman American Alien. This is from 2016. This was oh. written by Max Landis, actually. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Several people have said to me, quote, this is the best version of Superman I've ever read. Ooh, big words. I know. I know. I know. Okay. So I'm curious about this as well. So I think I'm going to give that Don't as well. Don't want to be an American alien. So this is what we can expect for next next time we talk about this? Yeah, I'm just going to do that for an hour. Great. I'm glad we already got the best jokes set up ahead of time yeah i think that's uh i think that's about it uh so we got we can look forward to that in two weeks oh actually before that yeah did you have something else you wanted to say yes uh you had hey, one more thing hey, one more andrew. thing you wanted to bring up hey you andrew. one more thing you wanted to say hey andrew you can go no, go ahead sorry i, I keep interrupting you, no, you it's can, okay do you have, oh, it's andrew. okay hey wait no, no did I, you say, i'm sorry no, you, i missed what you, you said go? can you just I, you, no no you can you can I say can, it yeah you go ahead as soon as i'm done talking you can go ahead and uh and and do and go ahead and do this did you interrupt me? I was in the middle of saying something, and you just talked over me, which is very rude, I might say. Where can they find us? You didn't even let me do the hey, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, yeah. I did. I did. I was trying to. You were doing the thing, and then I was doing oh, so the thing. so you were interrupting me. No, you were interrupting me. How dare you? Yeah. They can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. They can also find us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, SoundCloud.com, Social Media, Lunch Break, and also new to this. I'm going to have to <gasps> cut this down. We can't keep saying all of them all the time because we're on Audible now and also Amazon Music. Yes, we are. That's Which is so insane. awesome. So uh, if you have Audible, go go to town. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Go, go listen to us there. Or don't. I don't give a shit. By the way, quick side note. You'll like this. I was at work today doing one of my tours, and somebody said, oh, you have, I, I see you have a podcast. What is it? And I gave her one of our cards, and she goes, 
I think, are you on Pandora? I think I saw you come up on Pandora. Oh my God. You know what's crazy? We wanted to only do five on the next video, I think. It's like, we okay. just gotta, we gotta start cutting it down, right? right? I was like, let me just Google what are the, the five most common, or we're putting them on our new business cards. That's what it is. Right. So I was like, what are the five most common places that people listen to podcasts? And like number four was Pandora. Ten mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. of li- of podcast listeners listen on Pandora. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? If you're listening on Pandora, <laughs> and I mean this sincerely, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you a serial killer? He means that as a friend. What are you a sociopath? Who listens to podcasts on on Pandora? You can't even skip stuff. You can also find us on Twitter, where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're also on YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. We've got some videos going up there. And if you become a patron on Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break, we're going to start making it so that all patrons get a shout out on our videos. At the very end, we're going to list all of them. So uh, that'd be cool to have your name. That actually happened to us. I didn't say this. We give a a dollar to uh, a, a YouTuber called Ben Chinapin, who's one of my favorites, and uh, he, he started doing that and right at the end of the video the media lunch break so that's cool that's fun and uh you can also find us on TikTok, where our handle is at the Media Lunch Break. We have our Gmail account, which is the Media Lunch Break at gmail.com. Send us an email if you have anything you would like to recommend to us, or you have any thoughts about the show or anything. Give us an email, and we'll, we'll maybe we'll read them out if they're good. If they're not, we'll just ignore them. You can also go to our website at www.themedialunchbreak.com. We have an Amazon affiliate link down below for Craven's Last Hunt. Pick it up, check it out. It's real, real good. Yes. Give us a rating and a reviewing on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. YouTube, all those places. Give us a thumbs up and a subscribe. Thank you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. For being super baller and uh, just being awesome. I found the photo that our patron sent oh, us. Oh, from last week? Yeah, I gotta send yes. it to you. And I'll, okay. I, I don't have it yet. It's upstairs. I, I, I basically like... You framed it. <laughs> you, you printed it out and you framed right. it. It's in a very nice... Yeah. You put it on your fridge. You were like, sorry, Rowan. And you took his artwork <laughs> off the fridge and you ripped it up That's right. right in front of his face and you and he started to look away and you were like no 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 you need to see this eyes in kid and he just ripped it slowly and then you threw it into the sink and then dr- and put water on it and really just drained it down and then you slowly put up this person's artwork in front of him and you said this is what perfection looks like and the weird part is Rowan right after that looked at it and went you're right oh i know also, I'm having it printed on a woven blanket. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I'm going to send it to you. Let's get pajamas made out of out of it. Yeah, I'm going to send those to you, too. Okay, great. Great, 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 great. And then we'll match. And then when we fall asleep at night, we'll be able to think. I'll think to myself, Chris is wearing these pants. Here's what you do. Let's get just one set of pajamas with these printed all over them. You keep the shirt. And I'll keep the pants. And then when we go to sleep, you can wear just the shirt and I'll wear just the pants. I love that you think that we're the same size. Yeah. <laughs> like a set of pajamas. That's why you can send me the pants because the pants have a drawstring and they can I can adjust the size oh, yeah. of that. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We did it. We did the thing. We did do it. We thing. had a very we weird did. end to that. 
uh, which is That's great. It's not over yet. Could get even weirder. Who Could knows? get even weirder. Yeah, let's don't, see how... Uh, don't, don't think we won't. Don't don't tempt me. I'll do it. Stop it. I'll do it. Stop thinking. As always, you know, we just talked about Craven's Last Hunt. We just talked about Shang-Chi. If there's something on the show you want us to talk about, if there's a reading assignment you want us to do... Andrew Scott, Superman, American Alien. A couple people threw this at me, and I was like, hell, I'll throw it out at Andrew. I'll make him do it. I'll pass the buck. If you want me to pass the buck to Andrew and have him read something or have me read something, send it on over. Just say, hey, this is amazing. You should check this out. I want to talk about this. Send it on over. If you're creating something, if you're a creator, you've made a comic, you want to get it published, you want to get some eyeballs on it, you want some critique, Send it on over. Those are my favorites. I love when we get people who do that. Those are awesome. Send it over. We love it. As always, you know, that's it. There there you go. There wasn't a thing. As always, that's it. As always, that's the end. There's only one, and, and there, there only, only will be. be. There wasn't a thing, and now there's a thing. That's how easy it is, guys. We did guys. a thing, yeah. That's how easy it is. Go out there it's and make your own thing. It's easy to do a thing. thing. It really is. It really, really is. So Sometimes pooping is, I mean, that's making a thing. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Welp. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was handing the phrase to you. Sorry, I'm not familiar with that. The, I'm not familiar with that reference. No, I wanted you. I was saying you wanted because you do the phrase, and I wasn't going to take the phrase. I wanted to set you up for the. the I, I don't know what phrase. You know, the one that you like to do now. The one that you the, that you like to tag it at the end. Oh, 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 okay. <clears throat> I was trying to set it up for you. I gotcha. I gotcha. But yeah, now it's. Gone. And I helped. Great. That's what you're talking about, right? Yep. That's sure. Sure is. There, that's buddy. a reference that no one listening is going to get. That's fine. That's that's fine. Did we talk about the post credit scene of Shang-Chi? <laughs> yes, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did. Bruce Banner looks old. He does look old. Why is he not green anymore? Well, the, uh, I don't know. Uh, they'll just never explain that, I guess. His arm's still fucked up. His arm is still fucked up. I did notice that. Is, do you know if he's a righty? Well, I would assume yeah. because his arm is fucked up because that's what the gauntlet was on. I would, that's right. Well, I guess the gauntlet can only go on one hand. So what if he what if he's left handed? What if there there's a what if episode where it's like, oh, no, Bruce Banner was left handed and the gauntlet was a right hand. And so he's like trying to snap and he can't it's get like, it to snap. Oh, God damn. Fuck. Yeah. God it's damn it. Fuck. Half an Jesus hour of shit. like. Oh, come on. <laughs> just him just doing this. for It just opens and closes on this. Just like. Um, just him wait, trying no, to I snap. Got, I got this one, guys. I got. I hear you. Here it goes. Damn it. Come on. <laughs> if he's a righty, it's probably real hard to beat off. That is where your mind would go. Right at the very end of this episode. Which means I don't want to know what happens after we end here today. <laughs> and during. Oh, boy. Well. Time I be fucking off. I, I regret saying that phrase already. I don't feel good. I don't feel good about it. All right. We can censor it if you want. Time I be fudging off. No, that's not the part I care about. It's just, I don't know. I don't like you talking about masturbating oh, and then I say that and phrase. And then fucking off. I just like, it. just don't the way, like the way it sets you up for anything. One day our children will listen to this show, Chris. My son does listen to this show. Every week. My son does not. And one day he will. And he will say, I'm adopted, right? 